Zimbraconda is a proud supporter of Wisconsin Badger Athletics. If you're looking to purchase, finance, or service a new or pre-owned Honda, buy local. Part of the Madison community since 1973, Zimbraconda's customer service is second to none. Experience it today for yourself. Shop local. Shop Zimbraconda. After three decades of excellence as head football coach and athletic director at the University of Wisconsin, Barry Alvarez is calling it a career. I describe Wisconsin as one of the best athletic programs in the country, one of the most consistent athletic programs in the country. ESPN Wisconsin celebrates all Barry Alvarez has meant and done for our great state. People in this state have been great to me. I love this place. It's Barry Week, presented by the Wisconsin Alumni Association and Iron Jock. Everybody likes to have an audience. Not maybe every. Everybody doesn't. I do. This is the business of Barry. Here's your host, Craig Carmazan. Welcome to Barry Alvarez Week here on ESPN Wisconsin. Barry Alvarez Week is the least we could do to celebrate just one of the most influential figures in the history of the state of Wisconsin beyond athletics. You're hearing players only, you're hearing from the coaches, you're hearing from the media, you're hearing from Barry Alvarez himself. And this is the business of Barry. And Barry Alvarez had such an economic impact on Wisconsin. Barry Alvarez had such a impact on entrepreneurs, business owners, philanthropists. And Barry Alvarez had such an economic impact on the University of Wisconsin program as a whole. Tonight, we're going to learn a lot about Barry as we talk to Kenny Dichter, founder of Wheels Up. We'll talk to Ted Kellner who is one of Barry's best friends and one of the leading philanthropists supporting the University of Wisconsin. And we'll talk to Pat Richter, who hired Barry Alvarez at the University of Wisconsin, longtime Hall of Famer and Director of Athletics. But the beauty of Barry is you can't just measure his impact in wins and losses. You can't just measure his impact in dollars and cents. You can measure it in so many different ways. And I'll talk about it a little bit later on. Our company would not exist. This radio station would not exist had it not been for Barry Alvarez. And the amount of impact he's had on student athletes, on business executives, and on all of you, everyone who considers themselves a Badger or a Badger fan, is so tough to quantify. And that's why Barry Week is a salute from all the different angles. Hearing the players, hearing the coaches, hearing the media, hearing Barry himself chat with Mark Tauscher and me. It's just incredible that Barry chose from the beginning Wisconsin and then he committed long-term to Madison and to being a Badger because the impact he made as a coach, massive, and then the sustained excellence that the University of Wisconsin athletic programs have had is attributable to so many people at the core, Barry Alvarez's legacy. And being able to talk about this and all of the fun games, all the people he's influenced are incredible. We'll start it out with Kenny Dichter as we continue. It's Barry Week, ESPN Wisconsin. You're listening to The Business of Barry Alvarez, part of ESPN Wisconsin's Barry Week, presented by the Wisconsin Alumni Association and Iron Jock. Thanks for the memories, Coach. People in this state have been great to me. I I love this place. Celebrating more than 30 years of excellence, this is Barry Week on ESPN Wisconsin, presented by the Wisconsin Alumni Association and Iron Jock. 
Now, back to the business of Barry. Here's your host, Craig Carmison. It is Barry Alvarez week here on ESPN Wisconsin. Continuing discussions with Bar- about Barry Alvarez, with Barry Alvarez, the impact of Barry Alvarez as uh, this Barry Alvarez era comes to a close tonight. It is the business of Barry, and no one better to talk about that with than a Wisconsin Badger through and through. You've seen him in Entourage and many other shows, but best known as the founder of Wheels Up and other brands along the way. It is Kenny Dichter. Thanks for joining us, Kenny. Hey, thanks, Craig. Thanks for having me. And uh, a real honor to be speaking about a legend, a living legend like Barry, as he takes his victory lap. So I guess the place to start is, when's the first time you heard the name Barry Alvarez? And what uh, led up to that first meeting for you with the coach? Well, it's funny. uh, Being a college football fan, and watching Notre Dame and Miami battle when Notre Dame won that national championship. And on the screen, they flashed to Barry, maybe third quarter, fourth quarter, and said, uh, Barry Alvarez going to Wisconsin uh, to be the head football coach. Of course, I was a student at the time. I arrived in Madison fall of 86, and it took me five years and five summers to get out. But, uh, yeah, when I was watching that game, it feels like 88, 89, when he originally got that opportunity to come to Madison. And Donna Shalala, a good friend of mine, uh, still to this day, hired him. And she told me, she said, this guy's going to turn our football program around. And so, first of all, you come to Wisconsin. You're a huge sports guy. I assume you didn't come for the sports. I mean, how do you go, if, as a sports guy like you are, how do you pick University of Wisconsin, which had no history in any athletics? Well, I would say, you know, we were always competitive in hockey and knowing that you, you know, you start every year in the Big Ten football, basketball, and all of the sports, you know, you have a fighting chance. You know, Villanova beat Georgetown, and I was watching that game as a high schooler. So uh, you know that anybody can beat anybody when you get to the Big Ten level. And I think that, you know, with Barry's hiring, it surely put us at a, at a different level as it relates to football. But, uh, you know, sort of my, my fandom – you know, I, I was involved with uh, the athletic director uh, when I got to school, Aid Sponberg, and uh, Coach Steve Yoder, who was somebody uh, who gave me a great chance as an entrepreneur, an early chance to do something on a big stage, uh, when uh, they gave me the support and the founding of the Bleacher Creatures, which was to increase interest and increase the t- attendance in uh, men's basketball back in the field house. And we had a lot of success building that bleacher creature program in the field house, which uh, really put me in a a great spot when Barry got to town uh, to evade uh, the, the, the typical check-in that one has to go to, to go see that athletic director and kind of weave my way into the room, Ferris Bueller style and knock on his door. And I was able to introduce myself to him when I was a, a red shirt junior. So now, what know, Craig, happens I, during that I didn't first play meeting? Any official sports, Craig. I was a redshirt junior academically, <laughs> meaning I was in my <laughs> my third year of academics and my fourth year of school. Uh, so that that was really the the first time I met and, and met Barry in person was uh, you know pulling a Ferris Bueller and knocking on his door. Must have been his third or fourth day uh, in Madison, uh, his office, you know, sort of at the stadium. That's that's how I got started with Barry. Just knocked on his door. 
And uh, as you know, Craig, he was on the phone. I think he was with the recruit and kind of waved me out of his office. And I just sat down on the couch and just said, you know, kind of with my hands, finish your call, coach. And uh, when you're done, we'll, 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 we'll catch up. And so you had the credibility of the bleacher creatures, but what was that first conversation like? Well, I told them. I said I, I kind of knew I only had 30 seconds or a minute. You know, Barry is a, a physically imposing individual. If he didn't want you in his office, you know, he could get you out. So I knew I had 30 seconds, maybe a minute, uh, to win him over. And I introduced him as uh, introduced myself as Kenny Dichter, uh, in from New York, a student. I told him I had a 10:40 on the SAT and a uh, running a 2:7. So I told them I was actually uh, credentialized and actually in school and that I uh, was the de facto CMO of Wisconsin basketball. And I told them very quickly about what we were able to achieve uh, at the Bleacher Creature basketball program, which was a a really big attendance boost uh, from when we started and getting the students involved. And I told them quickly that we could do the same in football. I said, look, I don't know, Coach, if you know the numbers, but – we're averaging less than 30,000 people a game. Uh, that's, that's students and alumni in a, at that point in time, a 77,000-seat Camp Randall. I said, if you put some products on the field, I'll fill the stadium. And uh, when I hit him with that line, he put his hand out, like to shake my hand, like we had a deal. So I, I put my hand out, and I shook hands with Barry. The rest was history. We took a student section that had a couple of thousand people in it, and uh, ultimately, two or three years later, we had it maxed out. Uh, so the Bleacher Creatures not only lived in basketball and football, and uh, I ended up at that point in time, I adopted him. Uh, he, he became my second dad, and uh, he's been an unbelievable influence on my life uh, ever since that day where he, 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 he stuck his hand out and said, let's go. So how quickly did things change? Because obviously the first year there was only one win. Did things change just because there was excitement and the way he approached things on campus, or did it not start until more wins started coming? Well, I think it was sort of simultaneous. I think, you know, even though Barry only got one win in that first year, he changed the culture. I remember, you know, we kind of leaned on the power of the the basketball uh, momentum on Bleacher Creature, and we had Dick Vitale come in and do a late night with the Badgers. And, you know, Barry and I said, it'd be great to get Dick to speak to the football team. And Dick said to that football team, I remember like it was yesterday, you stick with this Barry Alvarez in two to three years, you're going to be in the Rose Bowl. And sure enough, three years after the Dick speech to the day, uh, Barry goes out and wins his first Rose Bowl. So it happened really quickly. I think, uh, you know, as I recall, the fans came before the wins came, but it was really about Barry changing the culture and changing the mindset of not only the team, and the coaching staff, but of the school and of the state. You know, Barry, Barry was winning before the wins were there. Chatting with Wisconsin philanthropist and Wheels Up founder Kenny Dichter. So you mentioned the relationship, but most people, they graduate college, those relationships go away. How did that continue, that bond you had after you left Madison? Well, it's funny, Craig. You know, I'm now, I left Madison and somewhere in between 90 and 91 officially, uh, my daughter, Chloe, is a, uh, a rising junior over there. You know, I may have graduated, uh, but I never left. And, uh, you know, Barry, you know, it, it, Barry became synonymous with Wisconsin. And, you know, you talk about continuity and consistency. I knew whenever I came back to visit that Barry would be there. And, you know, as I started my business career, Barry and I remained close. The Bleacher Creatures remained a, a really important part of the, 
that student section of Wisconsin football. And, you know, Barry always, he treated me like, uh, like somebody who had played for him. You know, Barry always would introduce me. He'd say, hey, here, here's my chief marketing officer of uh, Wisconsin football. Now, there was no official title, uh, but Barry always had a, a, a way to make you feel big, make you feel like you're sitting at the adult table. And, you know, from 23 or 24, you know, up to about 28, 29, when I sold my first business to a big public company, SFX Entertainment, you know, Barry was always there sort of on my de facto Kenny D board of directors whenever I had a tough decision to make. Uh, if I didn't ask myself what would Barry do, I'd just call Barry directly and say, hey, Barry, what would you do? And sure enough, again, the, uh, that SFX deal for me uh, was the beginnings of, of my entrepreneurial career on a big stage. And, you know, SFX Entertainment became, ultimately became Live Nation after it sold to uh, Clear Channel Communications. I know a, a company close to your heart in the old radio space. Um, and then, you know, when we went out to partner with, uh, with Warren Buffett and Richard Santulli over at NetJet, uh, we formed Marquee Jet. You know, Barry was always... Uh, you know, not only a friend, but he was always my de facto board member as uh, as we were building these great businesses. And again, uh, like I said, I think that what Barry, the relationship that he had with his players and his family uh, is the relationship that uh, I was able to build with him. And to this day, he is uh, he's still on my board of directors. And, uh, you know, like I said, a second dad. Well, that's why you're kicking off this business of Barry special. And it was 15 years ago. Uh, I was in my 20s, 29, when the first time you and I ever met was through Barry Alvarez. How many other people can you point to that have impacted your life? Like, how many people would you not know today if it wasn't for Barry Alvarez? Well, I, I would say this. He, he, he has an amazing coaching tree, but people don't know he has an amazing business tree of people like us that he put together. Now, by the way, Craig, when you were coming up the ranks, Barry didn't say, Kenny, there's a guy I think you should meet. He said, Kenny, there's a young guy named Craig Carmazan. you got to meet Craig Carmazan. And that was it. He, did, he didn't ask you. He told you. And sure enough, I know that he put us together. I'd say there's 15 to 20 people that over the years, whether they're athletic directors, coaches, commissioners of, of, of leagues, uh, professional athletes, uh, you know, folks like Ted Kellner, you know, uh, I, I always said, and Barry introduced me to Ted when I was coming back to school as a guy in my 20s. He said, Kenny, you should just go get on Ted's Ted tip. If you, if you can do half of what Ted's done for me in this school, you'll, you'll, you'll be in the Hall of Fame. And uh, like I said, I look up to these guys. You know, Ted and, and Barry runs around with uh, Tony Canoni, just people with unbelievable spirit and just they bleed red. And again, I came up through the best and on my one side, I had Warren Buffett as somebody that was my North Star in business. And, of course, I had Barry Alvarez, who was my, uh, my big dipper, well, uh, somebody I could o- always count on. And it's interesting you mentioned Ted because it ties in to that other piece of this business, which is the philanthropic side, which, you know, what made you go from being chief marketing officer of the sports program for him to wanting to give back to the university in the major ways that you've done it over the years? Well, I, I tell you what, I mean, looking at the way that Barry has, you know, worked on the development angle and developing relationships with folks that have the means to give back. And, you know, when you think about giving back to an athletic program, or in my case, I'm doing sports and I'm working on a special project with uh, 
Andre Phillips in admissions that, uh, you know, Barry blessed called Fly High, uh, which is focused on the recruitment of minority uh, students, students of color around the country that aren't necessarily athletes, that are just great students that have to have Wisconsin on their list. So, you know, Andre and I are working on that. I wouldn't be doing Fly High with Andre and a group of great people if not for Barry kind of leading, leading me down that path of making sure that we know that college sports and college in general is about making kids and making young people the best versions of themselves. So I, I really look at uh, any and all philanthropy that I do with my wife, Shoshana, who I met at school, and uh, with Coach Alvarez and around sports and around admissions and around opportunity. You know, I look at that as uh, really a, you know, sort of an amplification of who Barry is. And, you know, in this world, Craig, as you know better than anybody, you got to give to get. And I think the best kind of philanthropy one can do is when you do it, you don't expect anything in return. So, again, I learned that from Barry. I've watched Ted and, and all the folks around Barry that were sort of, you know, in his generation, you know, do it so eloquently and so selflessly. And again, I hope that I'm just doing my small part. And again, you know, besides giving what I can give is really firing up and inspiring the next generation of leaders uh, to do the same. Wheels Up co-founder, CEO, Kenny Dichter. Uh, Real quick, a few uh, quickies before you go. How about hiring Badgers? Uh, It seems like something that runs uh, through your blood, uh, not just your wife, not just your daughter. It seems like steps along the way, hiring Badgers has been a common uh, thread for you as well. Well, I, I always know when we uh, when we hire a badger here at Wheels Up or any of the companies that I'm involved with that you're going to get a well-rounded, you know, sort of high integrity uh, person. You know, so I would say that, uh, you know, I, I surely encourage badgers to uh, to apply for open positions here. Uh, we've always had a great badger turnout in our internship programs, and you know, look, two of my early investors in Wheels Up, Russell Wilson and JJ Watts. You know, keeping my badgers close, not just hiring them, but how about this? Uh, they're investors in Wheels Up. I work for them. And just think about what Russell and JJ have been able to take care of on the world stage. I mean, the big project we did with them this year during COVID that I'm most proud of is uh, Meals Up, which was partnering with Feeding America. As you know, Craig, we pledged 10 million meals at the onset of uh, COVID crisis. And I went on CNBC with Russell, and we're now over 70 million meals. So, you know, again, partnering with Badgers in every way, shape, or form has always been uh, a good formula for success for me. And, you know, any Badgers that are out there that have a great idea or have great enthusiasm, I encourage you, you know, hit our HR area and, uh, and, and we're, 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 looking, we're always looking for good badges. Well, you mentioned everything you do is an amplification of Barry's teaching. So last quickie before we let you go, uh, what's next for Wheels Up? Well, next for Wheels Up is the public markets. And again, you know, to go from Barry to Buffett and then to the New York Stock Exchange, the first private aviation company that's going to be listed on a major exchange under a, a special symbol, UP, you know, I couldn't ask for anything more. And again, you know, to go from the bleacher creatures to, you know, partnering with Delta Airlines, they're our largest shareholder. And, you know, being able to take folks that have invested in our story and our business and get them into the proverbial end zone, which is a public offering that we're expecting at some point in July. Uh, just really, really, really exciting. And again, you know, one of the last piece that I, I throw at you, Craig, on Barry, 
is, you know, as close as I am with Barry as I am with Cindy. Uh, so Cindy has been an unbelievable partner, not only to Barry, but again, a second mom to me. And his kids are Don, Stacy, and Chad. They're, they're brothers and sisters. They're, they're just great friends. And, you know, Barry's stuff on the field, off the field, and, you know, kind of leader of his family and, you know, leader of our community, leader of the state. Uh, there's so many different dimensions to Barry. And again, I would be remiss not to mention that, uh, that, you know, that, that, that I'm, I'm welcome there, not just as a son of Barry, but as a family member to all Alvarez, uh, Alvarez family. You know, that cabana, I know, Craig, you've been there. You know, I can't think of a better place to be in the fall than uh, post a Badger win over at the cabana with Barry behind the grill, uh, making sure that I have that Spanish sausage and, uh, and, 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 and a drink. Well, it's amazing you you ended with the word family when you're talking about him because of the incredible you know family he has and the family he's created around Wisconsin athletics and now that you have had and that you know the th- words you're saying about him is how I feel about you on a lot of levels, right? Having that you know that board, that person to to say what would Kenny do or the person who you could call or huddle when we're thinking about something strategically. So. Uh, you are absolutely have done him incredibly proud, as you know, in so many ways. But uh, you're giving back uh, in a, in a lot of the ways he has to the people who are, are following your lead. So, Kenny, yep. it is uh, always great to catch up with you, and great to have you kick off the business of Barry special right here on Barry Week, ESPN Wisconsin. You're listening to The Business of Barry Alvarez, part of ESPN Wisconsin's Barry Week, presented by the Wisconsin Alumni Association and Iron Jock. Thanks for the memories, Coach. It's down. Double makes the big play for the Badgers. Celebrating more than 30 years of excellence, this is ESPN Wisconsin's Barry Week, presented by the Wisconsin Alumni Association and Iron Jock. Now, back to the business of Barry. Here's your host, Craig Carmison. Continuing with Barry Week here on ESPN Wisconsin, and it is the business of Barry. And we said it earlier, none of this would have uh, started in Wisconsin without the hiring of Barry Alvarez. And the guy who did it joins us now, Badger legend as a player and director of athletics, Pat Richter joins us on Barry Week. Thanks for joining me, Pat. Thanks, Craig. Nice to be with you. You guys have always been uh, special with us and treated us well, so uh, nice to be with you. Thanks so much, Pat. So so how long was Barry Alvarez on your radar? Well, you know, I, maybe I'll go back a little bit further than that, just because since you're on uh, the business side of things, because this decision uh, to make a change was basically a business decision, you know. Uh, Donna Shalala asked if I would search or be chair a committee, kind of a strategic planning committee, as to why Wisconsin was losing money and fans and things like this. And it wasn't very complicated because it was obviously they were losing money. And we uh, we had a little get-together and threw it around and things and came up with the fact that people didn't want, uh, didn't like what's going on with football. And uh, that's why the season tickets were going down and that's why we're losing money. So it was basically football oriented. So, so that was when. So wait, but with it. with that yeah. being the case, you know, you were a football guy. You know, was there a thought of, hey, do I even want to 
run this this athletic program, you know, despite, you know, be, having been a part of it as a player that like, hey, this is a losing football team. Do I even want to do I even want to run this program? No, that never really came into mind. Uh, what have happened was uh, uh, I would approach her initially and I wasn't really that interested because I really were more of a private family and didn't want to be in the in the forefront. Uh, and then uh, when uh, things got to be a little bit different with Oscar Meyer and, and Kraft and things started moving towards Chicago, it looked like you know, our position would be in Chicago, and that's not where we wanted to be. So whereas I was pushing Bob Johnson for the job, I decided and told Donna Shalala that uh, I would be interested, in, and then it went from there. And so it wasn't that a question. It was, we you really didn't. We didn't get into the details of things beforehand. It's probably kind of stupid on my part in terms of due diligence. But uh, you know, we wanted to be in Madison, and this was an opportunity, and it was an opportunity to bring something back that we're really very passionate about, and to do something good while uh, being a. And it's a unique position. You know, athletic directors. There are not an awful lot of them around the country, and so it's a unique position. And uh, and so we accepted it on that basis, and that's why, you know, we really didn't have an awful lot of ways to go. I mean, it wasn't going, couldn't go down much further, couldn't go sideways, and really there was no way to go except be up if you make the right decisions, and that's what we did. So once you made that study and had determined that football was going to drive the ship, um, was that about getting the right commitment so you could make, the right offer if uh you know if you could decide the co- who the coach was and, and and where was the university when it came time for you to say hey uh you know i think we have our guy or you and your group thought they had the guy where was where was the support at that time from the university given uh the recent history of uh, a lack of success in football well what what happened after the committee report came in donna went to the athletic director at the time Aid Sponberg and and said he should get rid of the football coach. Well, he, the aide was there because Don Morton had recommended him, so he wasn't going to do it, so she decided to take them both out. So she fired them both and then gave us the opportunity. So we never really discussed saying that we knew she had a commitment. She had not been involved in athletics before at any, at any level, and yet she was a very competitive person that played a lot of tennis, and uh, and so she wanted to elevate the athletic program to the level at the university. And... Uh, and that's what she was uh, looking for. And so she really kind of basically put it in our hands and said, you know, go find a football coach. And uh, and that's what we did. There were some people on the list before I got there. And uh, and I went around. I, I talked to Lloyd. It's public knowledge. I talked to Lloyd Carr. I talked to Jim Coletta, who had been at Purdue. Uh, Jim Donnan, who had been at uh, Oklahoma. Jim Harkma, who was uh, at Eastern Michigan. And uh, and Barry, Doug Graber, and things like that, and so, and, and Don Nealon was also in the mix, and that's what it really came down to. The, the commitment was at the university. I mean, Donna didn't have to say it; she understood that it really was uh, the losing proposition was hurting alumni relations and uh, support and things like this, and that's really what the, the lifeblood of the university uh, uh, athletics is is a very important part. And that's one thing that you know, really ties into your subject matter about business of, of Barry, is that we took an approach basically that I again had at Oscar Meyer. 
you had to provide added value, just like with you in the, in the radio business. If you don't provide added value, people will go someplace else to listen to what their programming is. And so you have to prove that you're, you, they need to have you here and why are you there. If you think of it, the university doesn't need an athletic program to survive. And so what are you providing an added value? And that's what we did and then trying to go out and look for the coaches. And when it came down to the finals, Don Nealon was going to have a bowl game, and, and both and Barry was having a bowl game, but about two days later. And so when Nealon was finished with his bowl game, I called him and I said, we, we were ready to bring you and take a look at Madison and bring you around. And, and he had lost the game, and he felt bad about it. He said, gee, I, I don't feel really right about it. I, uh, I'd like to think it over. And when he said that, that uh, turned me off right there because we needed somebody that was fired up and ready to go, somebody that had uh, – a great motivation to be successful, somebody that knew if they weren't successful that maybe they would be out of the business, so to speak. And so if you're not successful as a football coach, you're going to be running around different places and getting different jobs all the time just because that's the nature of the business. Well, and it's interesting because Neilan was a head coach. Barry was someone who, you know, had not at that level been a head coach. So what were the conversations with Barry like and what made you think that he could make that jump from, you know, coordinator. And at that time, Notre Dame had elevated him to kind of an associate role, head coach role uh, for his last year. But what made you think he was the guy and he could make that jump? Well, at Oscar Meyer, where I was in charge of human resources, uh, I've always had the, oppor- had the opportunity to, you know, make a difference between somebody that's got experience for a position or what they call a deep select, somebody who's got to reach down, that's maybe a little bit wet behind the ears and has all the motivation in the world to be successful, but otherwise they, like I say, they could be out of the business. And so that's what it boiled down to. But when he indicated that he had to think it over, you know, we just didn't need somebody that was in that frame of mind. We needed somebody that was cranked up, uh, ready to go, excited about the opportunity to be the next football coach at Wisconsin. And, uh, and that was the, the, basically the basis for the decision. And, and that was something – you know, I certainly I, I knew that ahead of time going into that last couple of days because that's what our conversation took place. And and once you have an opportunity like Barry did to be an assistant head coach, I mean, especially at a place like Notre Dame, you know, there's a lot of things that the head coach is doing that are, you know, outside the, the bounds of football, so to speak. And you, know, you have to take a lot of responsibility. So, he, in effect, he had been a coach at that level. But he'd been in the Big Ten, the Big Ten, and long enough to understand just exactly what that was all about, and the, the level of competition, and what we what it took to win in the Big Ten. Chatting with college football Hall of Famer, academic All American Hall of Famer, and Rose Bowl Hall of Famer, Pat Richter. So one of the things that jumps out to everyone when they think back was that first press conference and the confidence that Barry showed, and you know, get your tickets now. Was he that confident privately? as you were leading into, uh, you know, this hire? I, I think he was, because I think he had talked to uh, Hayden, and I think they had discussed the fact that, you know, it was a sleeping giant, that there was opportunity there, and uh, I think certainly he had a confidence, and then, of course, a lot of that comes with the, the type of staff he put together, and he did put together a great staff. That was one of the key factors in the uh, decision that uh, was important decision making. I had talked to a number of the uh, coaches that I interviewed that I mentioned earlier, and some of them, uh, when I asked, I said, well, "Who are you going to bring with you? Who are, who are the people who are going to follow you here?" 
Uh, well, uh, one coach who was became a very a head coach at a very big university after this, he said, "Well, I really hadn't thought about it." Well, that was something that John Jardina told me in our conversation when we were looking at the coach. He said it's very important to check and see who might come along because that indicates to to uh, everybody the fact that there are people willing to put their you know reputations on the line, their careers on the line, and come to be an assistant coach because they know they're going to be successful. And they're confident that they're going to be successful. Chatting with Pat Richter. And so when we talked to Barry, he said it was so important to change the culture of everything, how the phones were answered in the building, what the walls looked like, how the carpet was. Was it a matter for you of making sure you were aligned with him? Or was it, hey, I'm going to hire the right person for the job and then give them the autonomy to do what needs to be done? I mean, how... How do you balance that as a leader of the department of how involved to get versus, you know, giving that head coach that autonomy? Well, certainly coaching wasn't my forte. I've obviously been an athletic director for a short period of time and but been a student athlete and knew what it was like to be successful and what it was like around Wisconsin when it was successful. And so basically we let them have their reign, so to speak. Uh, it was always in a, in a, kind of in an environment of, you know, tough uh, financial times. We weren't, didn't have a, an unending budget. You know, now they have the television, which is huge. But we had, we were getting hammered because we had a, a deficit that they said was 1.4 million, and then they came back and said, no, it's 2.1 million. And back in those days, it's still a lot of money, but back in those days, it was big money. And so we had to be very careful and be a little bit judicious about the process and, and to make sure that we were getting a bang for the buck. In other words, what was being invested in made the opportunity to be more successful uh, better. And, and that was very important. And we were able to show that. And certainly, the, changing the culture was very important because uh, you know, when you when you get out there and people were used to seeing some very poor football for the last couple of years, they were looking for some changes. And so the marketing program the first year, you might recall, was called A Whole New Animal. And after the first game, we played in California, and we were going to beat, going ahead of them at halftime, and there was an interception. They went all the way down and scored, and that really kind of knocked us down. But the guys were overachieving. They were, they were, they had gotten the right kind of guys that wanted to invest in the, the team. They wanted to be there, got rid of the ones that didn't want to work hard at being successful. And so when that happened, it was a kind of a kind of a glitch, so to speak, in the short term. Some people cynically said, "Well, looks like the same old animal," because the record wasn't very good. But you could tell. I mean, the, the competition for a job. And, and wait, wait, wait. Team. So you're saying, twenty-eight, twelve loss, first game of the Barry Alvarez era in a one and ten or whatever season that. You already felt the change had ha- had begun to happen with the program, you know, that day. Yeah, you really could. I mean, it was it was a game that we could have won and had no reason to win because we didn't have the talent to win, but uh, could have won that game. You could just see that the motivation that uh, they inspired the team to to different levels and uh, and it was and, it, and you could see it. I mean, again, some people were looking at different things. The things that I was looking at was. The people that were there, they wanted to be there, and they wanted to be uh, on a team like that and be part of something that is growing and getting better. And some that didn't were gone. 
and uh, you could you could tell that, and uh, I mean I sure could, and and I think that you know we even when we had to convince people that that was the case, you know in our heart of hearts we believed that that was certainly looked that way, and and the fact that the way it rolled out into a couple of years later uh, is significant in that regard. You wouldn't have been able to achieve those things unless you almost from day one started to get better. Which is pretty incredible because I think some people it took that last game of that season, you know, the almost win against Michigan State, you know, to end that first season where they were like, okay, maybe, you know, maybe this isn't the uh, the same old animal. We are talking with Pat Richter, former director of athletics and Badger Hall of Famer. When the business of Barry returns, we'll continue the conversation on the beginning of the Barry Alvarez legacy. As coach of the Wisconsin Badger football program, you are listening to the business of Barry on ESPN Wisconsin. You're listening to The Business of Barry Alvarez, part of ESPN Wisconsin's Barry Week, presented by the Wisconsin Alumni Association and Iron Jock. Iron Jock would like to thank Barry Alvarez for his storied career at the University of Wisconsin. Thank you, Barry. From Iron Jock Nation, go to ironjock.com and receive 20% off orders over $50 when you use the code IRONJOCK20. Miss any great Barry Week content? You don't need a search committee to find it. I won't use a search committee. Most search committees use me. Full show podcasts are available free. Subscribe to the Varsity Podcast on Apple, Spotify, Wisconsin On Demand, and wherever you get your podcasts. Now, back to the business of Barry. Here's your host, Craig Carmazan. Continuing with Barry Week, it's the business of Barry, and we're talking with Badgers Hall of Famer and College Football Hall of Famer, Pat Richter. We were discussing how Barry came to Wisconsin, and you immediately saw a change in the football program in a positive way. So then, you know, the next year, few years, there was just those almosts and almosts and, you know, five-win seasons. Um, did you feel something uh, different going into 1993? Did you feel like it was kind of all coming together? And I'm sure you, didn't, you weren't thinking Rose Bowl, but uh, were you feeling like that was a special year waiting to happen? Well, it was interesting because the year before uh, we were at Northwestern, and uh, there were two bowl team game bowl representatives that were there. One was for the wheat pool and weed eater bowl, and another one was from a game out in California, the All America Bowl, and they wanted to try to pit us against Southern Cal in a rematch of the 1963 Rose Bowl. So a great marketing uh, tool there. Well, Barry went out with a pool and weed eater fellow that night before the game. I went with uh, the American Bowl. And next morning we we met, and he said, "Hey, we're locked into the pool and weed eater bowl. We win the game, we're going to go." And I'm thinking, "Oh my God, how do you explain the fact we could go to the All America Bowl in California against Southern Cal? How do you explain that you're going to go to the pool and weed eater bowl in Shreveport, Louisiana, instead of the California?" And of course, as you well know, uh, we fumbled at one of the last plays of the game, and. And we had a chance to win the game, but it just didn't happen, and uh, we didn't go to any bowl game. So that gave us a little bit of a glimmer. But when we came back to the uh, the next year, we had made the commitment to uh, play a game in Japan, and knowing, thinking that we weren't going to be going to a bowl game, and uh, this was an opportunity to recruit uh, athletes to uh, come to Wisconsin, knowing that they would go to Japan, and maybe not an opportunity for that kind of a lifetime experience, and so, uh, and so when we went to Japan, everything was riding on the line, and that certainly was unexpected. And uh, it was, uh, it was, it actually turned out 
fantastic the way it we, rather than winning at home we win this far away and then come back into a reception all the way up through the the state and over the, the highways over the the interstate and things like this people there police and then into the stadium was just a wonderful experience and i think that really uh might have even worked out better just because we it was something we hadn't really thought was going to happen when it did it was just special Continuing on Barry Week, it's the business of Barry chatting with Pat Richter. So you talked about that 93 season and uh, getting uh, over the hump with the win uh, against Michigan State in Japan. But that season was, you know, I mean, just an incredible, the ups and downs. Obviously, the tragedy following the Michigan win, the almost win against uh, Ohio State with the missed field goal. Um, this should have been a win with all the fumbles against Minnesota. I mean, but you think about it, that's year four. I mean, from one and ten to ten one and one, what you know, what were the things you saw that Barry Alvarez was doing that was able to transform things that quickly to be competitive at that elite level? Well, I think certainly he delegated. I mean, he knew he had a good staff. He didn't uh, overrule them or impose certain kinds of things on them. I think he understood with, you know, the Palermos of the world, Callahan's and the Hubers and people like that, that uh, McCarty, that that they knew what they were doing, and he was managed that process very well. And they knew that, you know, the, the players knew that beyond the, the position coach. There was somebody else that was dictating what was going to be happening to their their uh, efforts on the field as well, and so that's what made a big difference. And it was just the way structurally an organization to happen in terms of of the of the business, so to speak, and uh, you know, just that everybody had a role to play and be knew that they had. There were there were some minor changes. Not, well, not minor changes. You know, I mean, Russ Jakes moved out, Childress moved in, and there were a number of staff changes that happened over that period of time to fine tune some of the things that were going on the first couple of years that improved the staff. And by the time it was all over, we're going to the Rose Bowl. I mean, he was, had an outstanding group of guys that were uh, on the staff, and uh, I think he probably felt very confident that. Uh, that they could handle their positions as well, and he could sit back and, and manage the process and interject himself at the proper times in order to reinforce the, the attitudes and things that the players had and making them believe that they could win. Amazing how close that team was to actually being a national championship contender, right, when you think about um, Minnesota you know, and, uh, and well, Ohio you know, State. That was, I don't know if Barry had mentioned it, but that was kind of an odd thing that happened. And... Uh, we got a call on a, on a Sunday after a game and saying that the the Big Ten was going to uh, have a unsportsmanlike conduct uh, charge against uh, Bill Callahan because he he picked off a depth chart off the wall. He was scouting his teams one uh, one week, but we were off at that week. We had a bye week, and he picked it off the wall and was looking at it. And somebody came along and wanted it, and he gave it to him. And so they said it was unsportsmanlike conduct. Well, we weren't playing Illinois for four or five weeks after that, so it really was ridiculous. But what it does is the the policy is either fine twenty five thousand dollars or you sit out a game. So we didn't 
they didn't want him to sit out the uh, the Illinois game because they're playing them or Ohio State. So the game that was selected was the Minnesota game, and of course that was the one that uh, we kind of fumbled doubled away and things like that. And so uh, it's conceivably because of that loss of Billy Callahan, we might have even had a greater opportunity to be successful and, and maybe nationally prominent. Wow, wow. As we chat with uh, Pat Richter, uh, Badger legend. So as you look at, as you walked into uh, that game in uh, 1993, you know, Camp Randall West, as uh, as people think about that game now, how did it compare for you uh, walking in there as a uh, player, uh, walking in there with a program uh, that you and Donna and Barry had helped transform? Well, certainly the when we were there in 63, you know, you just don't have any idea of the complexities that are going on, the impact of a successful game. You're as a player, you're going out, you're representing the Big Ten. That was what was different the next time, was more of a national prominence. I mean, yes, you're re- representing the Big Ten, but uh, you're also, uh, you know, fighting for national recognition. And that was, when we played the Southern Cal, it was one versus two, but that was already decided in December. So the game really didn't have any effect on the rankings at all. The one in '93 did, and uh, in '94, and so the uh, the uh, the impact was was much much bigger then. And so going in there and seeing the fans there, and uh, being on the side, being able to move around as an athletic director, you can be on the field, you can look up, you can be in the stands, and and hearing what's going on in the fans and and how appreciative they were, and, and stories about well. One guy said in 1963 we decided not to go to the game because Wisconsin had been in the Rose Bowl for three years or so uh, out of five the previous five or ten years. And so we had a television set instead, and so they didn't think it would take 31 years to get back there. And so you hear all kinds of stories and realize the impact that it had on people's lives, and that really starts to hit you and make, make you understand the, the enormity of it all. Chatting with Pat Richter, former Wisconsin Athletic Director and Badger Hall of Famer. As we continue next hour, we'll continue the business of Barry discussion as we dive into the financial impact Barry Alvarez had on the athletics program and the university. You're listening to The Business of Barry on ESPN Wisconsin. You're listening to The Business of Barry Alvarez, part of ESPN Wisconsin's Barry Week, presented by the Wisconsin Alumni Association and Iron Jock. This is ESPN Wisconsin's Barry Week, presented by the Wisconsin Alumni Association and Iron Jock. Find more great content celebrating the legendary career of Barry Alvarez. Subscribe to the Varsity Podcast free on Wisconsin On Demand. Now, back to the business of Barry. Here's your host, Craig Carmison. Continuing Barry Week with the business of Barry. Chatting with Pat Richter. So you mentioned the $2.1 million deficit. Was it that quick? Like by that point, uh, you know, were you guys financially rolling? I mean, how quick had that, you know, the business side and all of that, how quick had that turned around or, you know, was was it longer? Because uh, by then you're you're selling out games all of a sudden. Well, it certainly got better, but you didn't have the, the television that you have today. So it wasn't any big number, but uh, the impact of the Rose Bowl, uh, the licensing, for example, which of course is, basically the university's licensing program and a big part of that of course is athletics and uh, it was estimated that uh, the impact of the Rose Bowl meant 
over uh, a couple million dollars in uh, licensing revenues, and it was uh, estimated that the impact was about a 40-some million dollar economic influx of, uh, of uh, money that went into licensing type items. So it was a big impact. Then, of course, it continued thereafter. But there was not the opportunity for some big opportunity. Was basically the Rose Bowl expenses. You you got to. It's we always used to make fun of the the at uh, the Big Ten saying you made more money if you didn't go to a ball game. <laughs> That's true. And so because we have a big band and basically I know the expenses were like a million and a half or two million, and we used that up with uh, the entourage and and basically re- trying to recognize the people that uh, helped get us there uh, because it's been a long time since that success was there and so. Uh, we tried to take as many people, be as inclusive as possible with respect to the staff and people that uh, worked very hard to get uh, get the team in that position. And so uh, it was uh, it was a gratifying. And, and people, you know, the way people would come up and just uh, shake hands, say thank you, and things like that. You know what they mean because you're a fan yourself, and realize that what it took to get to be in that position and how much it meant to them. Well, and then it took longer to get back than it took to get there the first time. So during that time, was there a, uh, a thought that, hey, that, that's going to be our one Rose Bowl, or did you have the sense uh, that uh, the team would get back? Well, we thought we'd get back. and you, you get a little bit kind of jurisdictional. You think, well, we've been there, and we kind of, that's where we belong. We own that. And, and you, you think, well, nobody else should be there. We should, Wisconsin should be there all the time. But then you realize that what happened with Wisconsin and being, and being successful and coming from the, kind of the bottom dwellers of the Big Ten to that success kind of empowered a lot of other schools. I mean, you know, the Northwestern or Minnesota or people like that saying, well, if Wisconsin can do it, maybe we can do it under the right circumstances ourselves. And so that's what it became a little more competitive. In Wisconsin, when people played Wisconsin, they uh, they looked at them much differently as well. And there wasn't, you know, the normal thing you could sneak up on the people in the Ohio State and everybody else. You beat them legitimately and and kind of legitimized yourself. And that's what uh, everybody could see. The rest of the Big Ten felt that this was an opportunity for them to kind of, where it was the Big Two before with Michigan and Ohio State, now they could jump in there in the right circumstances with the right people in place, and that's the way it turned out. And so it became very tough. And you, and, and quite frankly, the you know the Outback Bowls and the Citrus Bowl people like that, they're very very good bowls. It's a very rare air when you get to the Rose Bowl, and that's uh, that's always where you want to be. But uh, you still want to be on a New Year's Day bowl game and uh, get that extra practice. That's very important. That's a key that keeps your team you know sharp. You get an extra 10 to 20 practices because you're going to a bowl game. And if you're not, you don't have those. And that's where you get an awful lot of learning taking place with that preparation for a Rose Bowl and another New Year's Day bowl games. Chatting with Pat Richter, it's the business of Barry. So as that started happening, whether it was after the, the game in 94 or the back-to-back, you know, first Big Ten team ever to win back-to-back, you know, was there a point where you thought, gosh, I don't know if we'll be able to keep Barry? Um, I think, you know, an NFL job or, you know, Miami or one of these other college jobs. Was there ever a time where you're like, gosh, this this might be the year. I, I don't know if we're going to be able to keep him. No, I, I never got to that point. I mean, obviously, we're very happy. And 
of the success that had taken place and uh, gratified that uh, he was able to do that. But that was one thing we always kind of kept in the back of our mind if that happened. You know, if somebody gets an opportunity to go someplace else, whatever that is that they think is better than Wisconsin, whether it's uh, SEC school or whatever, that means that we're in a much better position to go and get uh, kind of more of a, a better group of candidates than we had the first time, for example. More more experienced coaches that are willing to say, hey, look, Wisconsin's been very successful and you know I can win there and so I think you know you feel confident that that can happen and maybe it does maybe it doesn't because it's not an exact science when you're hiring people but you're not saying oh my god what's going to happen if they've done the job and, and put it in place and it, it isn't of interest to them anymore they want to go somewhere else where they can make a, a better, bigger impact or maybe a national championship like Brett Bielema did said that when he moved. Uh, if that happens, you're always in a better position. That's why when the contracts are such that you have a golden handcuff where you say, okay, if you're going to leave, it's going to cost us much money. And at some point that dissipates and turns into zero because at that point they've done enough for you that you – they deserve that opportunity, and you you know that it's not going to save the, the day. It's not going to say keep them from going anywhere else, and it's not going to do you much of any good. And so that you they've earned the right to kind of wean themselves off of that obligation over a period of time. So you mentioned the economic impact of that first Rose Bowl, but is there a way to quantify what the consistent transformation? of this football program has meant to the University of Wisconsin as a whole? Because, you know, you think about admissions and philanthropy and donations and all the things, you know, having a healthy football program, you know, for those, you know, what ended up being 15 years as a head coach that Barry was there. I mean, what what do you think that meant beyond athletics to uh, to the University of Wisconsin? Well, I know there's some economists, uh, I think uh, Zimbalist down in Indiana thinks that, that, that that's that's poppycock, that uh, success in those things does not do anything for admissions. Well, I think that uh, they certainly did at Wisconsin. I mean, you talk to anybody nowadays and going to a Rose Bowl or places like that or Final Four, uh, the increase is, is there. It's evident. And so it happens, I think, more than not, and it's, I think it's foolish to feel that it doesn't. So that was what, it, what had happened. I think the main thing, and let's just go back to Donna Shalala, for example. And over a period of time, I began to realize a little bit about what, what she was really after in terms of providing a great uh, collegiate experience for the students that were there. In other words, if I go to Wisconsin, give them a well-rounded experience, whether it's academics, whether it's athletics or forensics, whatever it might be, that they came to that school and they had a great experience so that when they're out in the as an alum, you know, 10 to 15 to 20 years from now, they look back and say, I had a great experience and I'm willing to uh, philanthropically support the university in some form or manner. And uh, and that was it. It was kind of a, a lifeblood, so to speak, of the alumni and groups of people like that. And I think that's true because, you know, I've lived around the country a couple of different places, and when you athletics is really the only connection you get with the university. I mean, you don't get hear about the education department uh, on Saturday or whatever. You don't hear about a great engineering department, but you hear about athletics. And if you you go into the office the next day after a game and somebody will say, hey, we cleaned your clock. You know, I'm from Ohio State. We beat you guys, da-da-da. Bragging rights are very important, and it's realistic. And so when we're 
when I was out east of the General Foods, and uh, we had those kind of games where you might beat an Ohio State or a Michigan and upset some teams. That was a great uh, feeling, and uh, and I think that's realistic. It's not somebody saying, "Well, that doesn't mean a thing." It does, and that's what when when you, even today when I uh, when I finished as athletics director and I went to the first game, I just walked around and tailgate parties and see people and things like this, and the number of people that came up and said thank you. That's what it meant to them, and it really means a lot because that's really what it's all about. And so for somebody to say thank you, then you, you know what it's like because you were in that same position that they were, and now they feel that they've got the tradition and the success and that they, uh, they're they very proud about that. And so it, it is tangible, and I think that, uh, that that's where Wisconsin sits right now because the program has continued to be successful and uh, the resources of television packages and things like this, the opportunities come by, and, and you want to make sure that you're relevant and, uh, as we said before, provide that added value because that's where it's at because, uh, again, they don't need you to survive. And so you don't want to we, – when we first took over, we had, we had a student fee and things like that. You know, you don't have those kinds of things today. Well, you talk about tangible. How about uh, a renovated Camp Randall Stadium, uh, a coal center, you know, the upgrade to the world-class facilities that you didn't inherit, right? Those those were those were uh, you know, tangible, you know, results of of your 14 years while you were there. So it wasn't just, you know, the program in a better place, but the experience for you know, so many athletes in so many different sports and so many fans experiencing those sports. Yeah, and I think that Herb Cole said it best. And when he, uh, it was kind of ironic because I, we were announcing a new basketball coach, Zach Bennett, and I didn't want to have it on the day that it probably should have happened, which would have been on called on April's Fool's Day. And then I said, oh, we're not going to announce a football or basketball coach on April Fool's Day. Let's move it up a couple of days. And we do it. Okay, great. Well, after we announced Dick and he had the press conference, and then I uh, went back to my office, I got a call from Sandy Wilcox at the foundation. He said, say, on Saturday we're going to announce a, a $25 million gift from Senator Herb Cole. Guess what day it is? April Fool's Day. So I said, we, we didn't announce Dick Bennett, but we announced a $25 million gift, which most people didn't believe, believe realize the importance of that. And, uh, and when he was asked, about wh- why did he do it? He could have used it for many, many other things he said, because they wanted to. And he felt that strongly about the university. That that's where he wanted to invest. And we had a great time move, looking around the country with him in the kind of facility. And it's still to this day, even though it's over you know, 20, uh, 20 years old, that uh, it's, it's it's a great facility. It's and those are the kinds of things that elevated Wisconsin's reputation. Yeah, chatting with Pat Richter, his number eighty-eight uh, retired at Camp Randall Stadium uh, that he helped uh, renovate during his fourteen years as director of athletics. So you were the longest tenured uh, director of athletics at the time when you uh, stepped down and uh, Barry took over. Um, what do you think? I mean, you'd seen Barry run a football team. Uh, what do you think was going to be his ability to run that program? Oh, I thought he would run the program. I think it was in pretty good shape. A lot of things had kind of cleared the decks. I mean, we obviously had to deal with uh, cutting of sports to get ourselves financially uh, viable, and uh, we had a Title IX situation that occurred, and so those things have been kind of put to bed, and so uh, the program was was in place, and he had good coaches, and they had to 
I find the you know, biggest thing I always said to him, I said, the best uh, thing you can do for yourself as an athletic director when he first took over is be a damn good football coach <laughs> because that's really what it is. And football is successful and everything else kind of comes along with it. And then, of course, probably the biggest thing in the Big Ten was, of course, the television revenues. I mean, to think that they get like $50 million a year is just incredible, and it's it's based on the strength of the conference, obviously. And But I remember when we first started out when with Barry, I mean, we had to try to find a million dollars every year in budget money, new new money, just to save, just to basically call cost for our roll-up costs and to remain the same, not to do a lot of interesting new things, because that's the way the budget works. It's just the roll-up costs are, are things that just improve your process. Only if you can add more monies and philanthropy and development and good support and uh, and those things happen with the success of the program. So, Pat, uh, before we let you go, when you think uh, about Barry Alvarez and you know his legacy, uh, you know coaching, and then in that director of athletics role, what's the thing that stands out uh, to you about uh, you know about this now you know thirty year uh, plus era? Uh, from the day uh, from the day you hired him uh, to uh, the, the day he's uh, stepping down this week. Well, I tell you what, it's uh, it you kind of puts it in perspective. For thirty years, maybe it's not a long time to you, young guys. But I'll tell you what, it went pretty doggone fast. I just think that that's happened over that period of time. And I think, like anything else, we uh, are grateful for the uh, the things that he did and and. Uh, uh, and the success that he had because that gave us an opportunity to bring back a world-class university to uh, a world-class university with a, a solid athletic program and and the people who are there that uh, that after we left carried on that uh, that tradition and uh, I think it made it even stronger and in a in a day like day like today which is very complicated it's not easy and uh, you have to be relevant like I say and the more, most important thing is that. Uh, Looking back on it, the things that we said, we we've provided added value, and that's what he did. And and I think that uh, when we had strategic planning, we wanted to hope to get to a bowl game and to a Final Four and things like that. We wrote that in writing, and that if in the year 2000, what would you look back and say you'd like to have accomplished? And now they've been able to build on that and be very much more successful as well and have good people in place and be a good program that everybody around the country would love. And that's very important because, you know, that gives you a recruiting base and people support, and they know that the solid run by solid people who have been able to be successful and to uh, build on the traditions that have been the University of Wisconsin's history. Well, Pat, I know that you're 11 catches for 163 in the Rose Bowl. If you uh, take that in 1963 terms and convert it today. You would be at like 42 catches for 500 yards in that game. So, uh, it, uh, the accomplishments on the field and off the field, absolutely incredible and uh, great to uh, catch up and uh, spend some time talking about Barry Alvarez on Barry Week right here on ESPN Wisconsin. Thanks, Pat. Thanks, Greg. Appreciate it. You're listening to The Business of Barry Alvarez, part of ESPN Wisconsin's Barry Week, presented by the Wisconsin Alumni Association and Iron Jock. Thanks for the memories, Coach. I wanted my guys to feel they had an advantage. Always have an advantage. Celebrating more than 30 years of excellence, this is ESPN Wisconsin's Barry Week, presented by the Wisconsin Alumni Association and Iron Jock. 
Now, back to the business of Barry. Here's your host, Craig Karmazin. Continuing, it is Barry Week here on ESPN Wisconsin. And uh, what a week it is celebrating Barry Alvarez's incredible career impact on the state of Wisconsin in so many ways. Coaches, players, and uh, even the business of Barry. We've heard from Pat Richter. We've heard from Kenny Dichter. But there is nobody who is closer with Barry Alvarez than our next guest, Chairman, CEO of TNM Partners. He is one of the leading philanthropists in the state of Wisconsin and uh, a best friend of Barry Alvarez. Ted Kellner joins us. Barry Week, it's the business of Barry. Thanks for jumping on with us, Ted. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Um, so you are a Badger through and through. When's the first time you heard the name Barry Alvarez? Uh, the night after the Orange Bowl. Uh, I kind of knew it was in the works. And as you know, Pat went down there. Uh, they signed the deal. And then Barry, if you recall, that night uh, was live uh, about an hour after the game and was introduced, and he was a new head. That was the first time I uh, saw him, frankly. And then he came up, took the red eye, and the next day I met him. So there have been a lot of football coaches in your time, you know, being a Badger, supporting the Badgers, all that. Did you have any reason at that time to think that this was going to be any different? Well, as you said, Craig, I'm in business, and I, I, <clears throat> I always felt that with the right leadership and the quality, if we could get the right quality, that Wisconsin was a bit of a sleeping giant. I think what Barry may have said in his interviews, um, we're the only game in town in college football in the state of Wisconsin. Uh, we have a terrific fan loyalty base. Um, we've got uh, probably some of the best linemen in the history of uh, NFL. And so I just felt that the right leader, the right coach could come along. Um, yeah, I felt I've, I'm always an optimist at, by nature. Now, we had gone 30-some uh, years uh, without being at the Rose Bowl until we won in 94. But, uh, yeah, I thought, I thought we had a chance. We just need the right people. And clearly, this was the right guy. So what was your first uh, interaction with him like? Well, I was in the uh, audience when Pat, uh, when they brought him in. And as you recall, he had, he had already lined up coaches. He had Dan McCartney there. Bernie was there. Um, I can't remember who else. But I remember that, that clip that they showed before the game. He better get the tickets now because for for long they won't be able to get him. I thought, well, this guy, I like that attitude. I mean, this guy, this guy was, he had a chip. He had a bit of an edge. And he had a air of confidence. And uh, I, I, I like that. I mean, some people say, oh, why, why is he saying that given the history? Well, if you know what you're doing, and clearly Barry did, uh, and you're confident in yourself, you say that. He said it, and then he delivered. So then how did the personal relationship start to develop? Well, back then we could do, um, and we did, he had shows. He had radio shows. And uh, we, alumni, could be supportive of the, of the shows. And Barry, through, uh, I think it was John Jardine, said to Barry, hey, you should meet Ted. He's been supportive of Badger Athletics, he and his family, my brother, my uh, dad. Uh, for years and years, and he said, Ted's gotten the um, sponsors for the radio show. So Barry came in. Uh, we talked the day he was hired, and then he said, I want to come and talk to you about that. He did that. And then uh, uh, through the contacts that I had and people had already done shows, we lined up probably seven, eight, nine people to, to support the radio shows, which was a revenue source for, for um, 
things that we wanted to do at Madison. So that there was a business connection through the radio shows that I really first had the business contact. And Barry, when we were with him, said, you know, he was told, hey, you got to have Ted take you to Milwaukee and meet meet his guys in Milwaukee, you know, all Badger people. And uh, yeah. and from there, he said, you know, you guys hung out one night and the rest, the rest was history. Um, was there uh, something that clicked with you and him that went beyond just, hey, this is a football coach and I want this football program to win? Was there something where you're like, I could hang out with this guy or shared values or something that you, you saw in him you know, pretty early on? Yeah, well, I, he may have told a story. We have uh, His best friend is a guy named Rick Coleman. Uh, they go back to Nebraska days. And probably in a month or uh, six weeks, Barry and I were at an event. And uh, uh, to your point, we just clicked. Not, not only, I mean, the business-wise, I grew to really have respect for him, liked him. But then I thought, oh, this is a guy, not only as a, as a head coach, it's a guy I liked, and we could we could. Uh, I think Barry subscribes to the "you work hard, play hard" theory, which is my uh, mantra as well. And I thought, and, yeah, and probably I, also when you think about it, work hard, play hard, and you guys also family and philanthropy and giving back, and like that's like both of you. When I think about core values, you guys are so aligned. Well, I'd like to think so, and I think Barry would say the same thing. But yeah, we were aligned. But the finish, Rick Coleman. He called Rick uh, one night and said, hey, I just met this guy, Ted Kellner. He's just like us. And I take that as a compliment. And in many respects, I'd like to think we are. Barry has worked incredibly hard, did incredibly hard. What he did in four years, I think, is maybe uh, in the annals of Big Ten football, uh, pretty darn difficult to replicate. There was probably not a lot of uh, belief he could do it, but he did it. But he worked hard. And then through the years, my now 30-some years of our friendship, uh, Barry plays hard. We, we play hard, too. We have fun. Yeah, and so as, uh, as things were getting rolling there, you know, I know you felt like it was a sleeping giant, but were you thinking Rose Bowls or were you thinking, I mean, Ohio State, Michigan? You know, we could, we could be a middle-of-the-pack team, but we're, we're never going to be like that. I mean, did it even exceed what you thought was possible? Well, I don't want to be no, – I, I – uh... <laughs> I, I felt Barry could do it, and I would say within six months, I just felt he had the DNA that he could do it. I'm always thinking Rose Bowl. If you, if you did this interview with my wife, we always keep the uh, first week in January open for us to go to the Rose Bowl. Now, back then, there weren't as many bowls, but it was the Rose Bowl. And uh, as I got to know Barry in that first six months, I thought, I mean, I knew he was, this was his goal. And I felt after uh, spending time with him and seeing what he was doing, that was not an uh, unachievable goal. It was realistic. Chatting with Ted Kellner, it is the business of Barry ESPN Wisconsin. So then as the success started happening, usually that coach is going to jump to another program, right? You know, you use Wisconsin, you leverage it for another college job, another NFL job. Were there times you thought Barry was might, might be going or did did you have some – belief from knowing him that he was committed to to being here well i'm going to answer that two ways i mean if you what barry always wanted to do and i'm sure this came up in the three hours his goal his his idol and his mentor in the coaching ranks and in the ranks of college athletics was davini uh who was the head football coach and icon at nebraska very similar state in nebraska only game in town he did what he did in the 60s, 70s, and 80s. Barry's goal was to do the same thing, be a head coach, AD, and build something sustainable. I mean, if you sat and talked with him, 
uh, he would say that today. That was what he wanted to do. So, I mean, I always felt, and he was clearly on a path to do that in, uh, in the 90s and for the years uh, through 2005 when he coached, we were on that model. We were on that track, and he did that. And I knew he wanted to be, as Devaney was, an AD. He took on both of those roles for a few years and then went on to be an incredibly successful AD. So did I think he was going to go someplace else? I, you, you never know. I mean, I, I can tell you if we had time, there were times where I was with him at Super Bowls where he was being courted, and uh, there's a couple of great stories on that. But he was always being sought after, I mean, uh, by college coaches and the pros. So I thought that there was a chance, there's always a chance, but I knew he loved what he did. I knew he was becoming incredibly successful, and I knew that there was that that's this goal to be what Devaney was in Nebraska and Wisconsin. So if I weighed them both, I, feel, I kind of felt he'd stay here, but uh, you never know. The offers, I, I know the offers were pretty attractive. Chatting with Wisconsin Badger alum and Wisconsin Badger Athletics Hall of Famer, Ted Kellner. When the business of Barry continues, we'll talk to Ted about how his relationship with Barry drives his passion for supporting Wisconsin athletics. You're listening to The Business of Barry on ESPN Wisconsin. You're listening to The Business of Barry Alvarez, part of ESPN Wisconsin's Barry Week, presented by the Wisconsin Alumni Association and Iron Jock. Iron Jock would like to thank Barry Alvarez for his storied career at the University of Wisconsin. Thank you, Barry. From Iron Jock Nation. Go to ironjock.com and receive 20% off orders over $50 when you use the code IRONJOCK20. Thanks for the memories, Coach. People in this state have been great to me. I I love this place. Celebrating more than 30 years of excellence, this is Barry Week on ESPN Wisconsin. Presented by the Wisconsin Alumni Association and Iron Jock. Now, back to the business of Barry. Here's your host, Craig Karmazin. Continuing with Barry Week, it's the business of Barry on ESPN Wisconsin, and we're chatting with Ted Kellner, Badger alum and UW Athletics Hall of Famer. For you, you know, you look at this time, it was so transformational, you know, when you look at football, basketball, the entire program, and part of that is support, facilities, all that. Why is the university so important to you, and why did you choose and and your wife choose to be so aggressive in your support to Wisconsin, and where did Barry and your belief in him fit into that whole thing? Well, first of all, I got a great education. I mean, I, I, again, if I went back through my history, the professors I had at Madison sent me on a, on a path towards whatever success I've had. I met great friends at Madison. I mean, I think if you talk to alumni, the loyalty of Wisconsin alumni because of the experience was terrific. But there was missing, I mean, and I love sports. You know, a little yeah. bit of my history, we're not going to, I love sports. And I will say, uh, I think I and my family, uh, certainly my brother and my dad, uh, we supported them in the down in the down era, and going back to uh, well, the down era. We'll leave it at that because there was a, a, a tough times in the eighties. Uh, McLean had some good uh, good program, good uh, years there, but it was tough. And I I wanted to be and have and be part of a winner. The, the the important thing about athletics, number one, I know it can do the development of young people, the nine hundred kids every year, what it does. But more as importantly. Why I was hopeful to be part of what the athletic department did when Donna came in, Pat, the experience of a university, and Shaleo said it best, she wanted the best experience for all, in all aspects, in the classroom, socially, and athletics, getting behind winning football, basketball, uh, soft women's softball, whatever. 
it just creates a, a, a sense of belonging. We didn't have that. Barry did that. And that, that made Wisconsin and took us to another, another level. So when you think about his coaching uh, years, um, is there a game, a moment? Is it walking on the field, uh, which I, I, I'm used to you walking on the field. Maybe uh, back then you were in the stands at the Rose Bowl uh, in 94 for the first time. Like, Was there a moment when, when you were like, wow, this program has made it in the way that I always dreamed of it making it? Well, there were two wows, uh, and Barry, I, again, I think the, the real wow was that 94 Rose Bowl. I mean, uh, the highlight, and Barry and I were talking about this about a year ago, the pinnacle was that, because first of all, there was a lot of doubt, would we get there? And we did it in four years. And then to walk into what was called Camp Randall West with 70,000 fans was incredible. During Barry's tenure, other than the period when my dad was sick, I think I missed in his... Uh, 16, 17 years of coaching. I missed 11 games, home and away. Wow. The other wow moment, though, Craig, was winning uh, in Tokyo. Because we, if you recall, we had to beat Illinois, and which we did, and then we had to have the combination. I think that weekend either Ohio State or uh, Michigan had to lose. They did. So now we beat Illinois. Now we're going to Tokyo to play for the Rose Bowl. But that experience and then walking off that field going, man, we're going to the Rose Bowl. That was my kind of my second wow moment, but uh, unequivocally, the the Rose Bowl win in '94. All those fans, uh, the environment was the pinnacle for me of experiencing and witnessing, witnessing Wisconsin sports. Yeah, I mean, you go to Tokyo and and don't get stopped the entire game. That offense just rolled over Michigan State uh, that day. So then, um, you know, the the other thing that just took the program to another level was Ron Dane, right? So mm-hmm. all of a sudden, Heisman Trophy winner, you know, and, and that national spotlight back-to-back Rose Bowls, anything jump out from that era and, you know, getting back and then being able to do it back-to-back? Well, it's never been done. That was number one. Uh, but the Ron Dane era was special. Um, uh, being in Camp Randall the day he broke the rushing record, uh, 7,000, whatever number of yards it was, that was that was special. It was also special because, as you may know, I had um, I've had student athletes do internships at uh, fiduciary management, and on that team um, I had Chris McIntosh, who became a good friend and is uh, in that genre one of the best guys I ever had working for me, and now a incredibly good friend, our new AD. Happily, uh, I knew about five of those kids really well. And that that run and Ron getting back to back MVPs and winning back to back Rose Bowls that was another pinnacle of Wisconsin's success. So Barry was uh, a CEO, right, of the football program, you know, managing his managers and all that. But then he got to that path that you had talked about. He always wanted to as the director of athletics. How much did you talk to him about? management and that transition, you know, as he was going to that next role, because all of a sudden, instead of one program to worry about, you know, you got 20 plus programs to, to worry about all these coaches, uh, associate ADs. I mean, this was a, a different kind of uh, business that he was going into running uh, an entire department. Yeah, no, that, and that's true. But I think he had the benefit of working with Pat, he had the benefit of a transition period where he was uh, doing both the uh, coaching and, um, and uh, the AD, and then took over the, just the AD. Uh, cause the, the two jobs were 
I think he would have been. Those are two huge jobs. Now, there's more stress, he would say, on the coaching, clearly. Uh, but he enjoyed the manner. He enjoys, I mean, Barry's a people person. Yep. And you look at uh, you look at what he's done in the hires and his assessment of people. So he had a natural skill set. I mean, it was, and I think it was proven with the coaches he hired. But, yes, now he's got to uh, get coaches for 23 programs. But uh, his ability and skill set in doing that, uh, that's something he had developed. We talked about it a little bit in terms of the kinds of people. But, but that was, uh, that's a little bit innate in terms of assessing people and making judgments on people. And uh, uh, the record speaks for itself. He did that <laughs> incredibly well as, as well. Yeah, and talking to Ted Kellner, it is the business of Barry. Ted Kellner, one of the leading uh, Wisconsin philanthropists and uh, business executives in the state. I mean, the sustained excellence from the day Barry walked into the building, when you look at basketball and football combined, no university has that excellence. And if you look at the 100 years prior, Mm -hmm. there was nothing to Mm -hmm. indicate that was coming. And obviously, Pat Richter, Donna, Dick Bennett, there's a lot of people. But Barry's the central figure to all of that. Um, So as this starts rolling and as this starts going as a director of athletics, you talked about earlier that confidence he had on day one. Um, When he said, made the statement that search committees, uh, I don't hire search committees, search committees hire me. <laughs> I thought, hey, that's confidence, but that's also a testament to his relationship building. And you mentioned it, personable and all that. Talk about Barry and his ability to develop relationships and then the loyalty that he shows to those, uh, to those friends and to those, those business people he's working with. Well, I don't think there's anybody more loyal than Barry. Um, and uh, there's, as, as he's made assessments, I mean, I think there, there's a talent there, and it comes from, it probably comes from a lot from his mentors. When you, when you look at your career, I look at my career. Look at who he had to, to learn from in terms of talent. Lou Holtz uh, at, at, at Notre Dame. At Iowa, he had the benefit of, of Hayden. Hayden Fry. Now, and he, if you sit and talk with Barry about, Barry's a bit of a sponge, I mean, when we are on trips, he'll tell stories about how Hayden Fry recruited, how Lou recruited, and what he what he took. I mean, he took chapter and verse from two of the iconic coaches in all of college football, and he he learned. I mean, he the guy really pays attention. Plus, he's got that. If you talk to the coaches he's had, and I I've known all of the coaches that coach for Barry, and Barry is a guy that gives him responsibility, expects results. And if you do that, that loyalty builds. If you don't, you're gone. And uh, that's that's the mark of a leader. I mean, you can't, you have to surround yourself with people that can do the job. And Barry's ability to do it, to make the assessment, to give them responsibility, and if they perform, he's the most loyal guy. If they, you know, like anything, if you don't do the job, you got to find somebody that can. Otherwise, he's not going to be successful. So. Football and athletics was his thing. If Barry Alvarez wasn't in sports, could he have run one of your companies? Sure. sure. Yeah. I mean, easily. I mean, Barry's, Barry's strength with managing people is, um, is, is really good and assessing people and putting people. You know, a CEO of an athletic department of a football program, the successful ones assess, evaluate, and surround themselves 
with good people. And I think one of the things of a trait of Barry, which as I in my business career, he didn't surround himself with yes people. I mean, he was always willing to take either criticism, constructive criticism, um, inputs, because he knew it would make him better as a as a as a football coach or as a leader. I think any any leader that doesn't do that is doomed to failure. You you get those people whom you respect, and then you let them tell it like it is. I mean, we should do this different. We should do that differently. And you take it in. And the good ones are going to make you better. Uh, and I, I think he did that in, in grand fashion. Yeah, chatting with Ted Kellner as we're wrapping up on the business of Barry. So when you think back to legacy, you know, you started by talking about what a great education you got. And you think about how many kids uh, had that experience, how many coaches impacted his life, how many people like me. I may not have even come to Wisconsin if the Badger football program hadn't put the state of Wisconsin on the, the radar. How do you even try to quantify the legacy that he leaves? You know, I said, hey, now that Columbus, no one cares about Columbus Day anymore, let's just in Wisconsin make uh, Barry Alvarez Day a state <laughs> holiday, have it replace Columbus Day. I mean, he's that impactful. How do you, when you think back, try to really quantify the legacy and the impact he's had? Well, when you say quantify, I'm not exactly sure what you, what you mean. And, and, and I don't know if you can quantify. He's made the university better. Um, the, the lives he's impacted of student athletes, and many of whom I know, you talked about loyalty a second ago. I mean, the people that coach for Barry, that Barry surrounded himself with, both coaches and athletes, uh, adore the guy. And not just the star quanti- players, right? Huh? Not just the star players. No, no, right? all of the players. But he, if we had time, and you know Barry very well, the, the number of student-athletes, when you quantify the impact he's had on their life, forget football. I mean, he's a father figure. I mean, that's 17 years he's had, you know, 2,000-plus student-athletes. I bet you if you interviewed all of them, not just the Rondays and Chris McIntoshes, but the, the walk-ons, Barry is like a father figure to hundreds of them. They respect them. They go to them. So I'm, that's not a quantification. It's a qualification of the quality that he's left. And I think that's, I think that's really the hallmark of, of uh, exceptional people. They've, they, he's, he's done a great job at Wisconsin, economics, and Big Ten, all that. But he's done a better job of co- making so many kids that work for him and coaches the quality of their life better. And that that thing is unquantifiable, but it's huge. It's huge. Well, he made it clear to us uh, he couldn't have done what he did without support of uh, you and uh, and uh, as a friend and uh, your continuing support of the program, both as a coach and as a director of athletics. Well, he, let me just—I don't ever—I don't want to correct you. He could have. He could. Uh, he clearly could have. But I will tell you this: he wouldn't have had as much fun, nor would I. <laughs> <laughs> and I assume now uh, this next stage of his career kind of allows you guys to have maybe even a little more. We're going golfing in July. We're going to have more fun. Uh, uh, Barry, Tony Canoni, Rick Coleman, uh, we've had fun along the way. We played hard, worked hard. You guys have done it absolutely right in all aspects. Ted Kellner, appreciate you jumping on. Couldn't have done the business of Barry without you. <laughs> it has been Barry Week and the business of Barry right here on ESPN Wisconsin. You're listening to The Business of Barry Alvarez, part of ESPN Wisconsin's Barry Week, presented by the Wisconsin Alumni Association and Iron Jock. 
This is ESPN Wisconsin's Barry Week, presented by the Wisconsin Alumni Association and Iron Jock. Find more great content celebrating the legendary career of Barry Alvarez. Subscribe to the Varsity Podcast free on Wisconsin On Demand. Now, back to the business of Barry. Here's your host, Craig Carmazan. Welcome back to the business of Barry, ESPN Wisconsin. Big thanks to Kenny Dichter, to Ted Kellner, to Pat Richter. Legends. Absolute Badger legends. Part of Barry Alvarez's legacy. And when you think about it, once a Badger, always a Badger. But for me, I've actually had the opportunity to be treated by Barry like family. You know, I'm from New Jersey. I went to Emory University. I had never been to the state of Wisconsin until 1996. So for me to end up here, And for us to have Good Karma Brands, our company based here, is actually a result of Barry Alvarez, like so many of the other things we've talked about over these last two hours. It was 1993. I was a college freshman and would hear from my friend, oh, Wisconsin's going to go to the Rose Bowl. I was like, what? Wisconsin's a terrible football team. I, I even remember looking it up, which back then looking stuff up wasn't easy. And I remember seeing five and six, five and six. Your team's not going to the Rose Bowl. You're just the typical freshman in college who's excited about your team. And I remember telling him, you know what, if you guys go five and oh, six and oh, maybe I'll go out and watch one of your games. And they did. And I did. And what Barry Alvarez was doing with that team en route to the 90, 1993 Rose Bowl captivated me as a college freshman at Emory University. We didn't have a football team, so the Wisconsin Badgers became my football team. It was three years later where I came out uh, for a uh, weekend, got to experience the energy of the city of Madison, and it was only a year after that where Good Karma Broadcasting, our company, was founded. And that energy, that excitement, that doesn't exist without Barry Alvarez. And then it was uh, within our first year where I got to meet coach for the first time went out to media day spent some time with him he told us he'd uh, check us out on the radio and it was a few months later when all of a sudden he gave us a call right there on the air and it wasn't a friendly conversation I I was on the air being critical of Barry Alvarez and some of his coaching decisions you don't do that in Madison but what Barry did was he absolutely went at me but He respected the fact that I was willing to share my opinions in front of him. And it was one of the first lessons I learned, which was, hey, if you're going to say something, say it in front of the person. And that's one of the things Barry Alvarez always taught me. And it wasn't the last lesson by any means. The last 20 plus years, one of the most treasured relationships I've had in the state of Wisconsin is with Coach Alvarez. And the amount of people he's introduced me to, as I mentioned uh, earlier when we were talking to Kenny, you know, he introduced me as, hey, Craig, you have to meet Kenny. Kenny, you have to meet Craig. And that's how it works. When Barry tells you you need to meet someone, you do it. Tark Sala and Derek Engler, longtime parts of the Good Karma family and parts of the ESPN Wisconsin family. That wasn't just me being creative or someone coming up with an idea. It was the way many ideas happen. I get a text or a call from Barry Alvarez saying, Craig, you need to meet Tarek. You need to meet Derek. You guys need to be working together. And 
It's an amazing relationship, and as we've been reflecting on it over the last two hours, the most exciting thing for me is it doesn't end now. All of the people you heard from today and myself were that much more excited because Barry's going to have well-deserved free time. He's still going to have his suite and be at every Badger football game, but he's going to have a little more time to enjoy uh, the grandkid in uh, in the season, a little more time to enjoy the great friends that you heard about, a little more time to enjoy continuing to mentor uh, CEOs and business leaders, as you've heard. So no one deserves it more. And personally for me, thank you, Barry, for everything you've done. For me, my family, my life wouldn't be the same without you. And uh, what a way to continue It is the business of Barry. Thanks for listening. Barry Week on ESPN Wisconsin. Miss any great Barry Week content? You don't need a search committee to find it. I won't use a search committee. Most search committees use me. Full show podcasts are available free. Subscribe to the Varsity Podcast on Apple, Spotify, Wisconsin On Demand, and wherever you get your podcasts.